The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Today on Power of the Word. See, if you don't keep hope alive, listen, your faith won't work. Your faith has nothing to believe in. You have, your faith has nothing to direct itself toward. It has no purpose. It's pointless faith. It's vain faith. It's faith in nothing. So you've got to have hope before you can have faith. You've got to be going somewhere. Do you get out in the car, start it up, and just pull out of the parking lot and just drive? No, you've got to have a plan. The Bible is no ordinary book. It's the living, breathing Word of God Almighty. In this series, Prioritizing God's Word, Dr. Ed King emphasizes the importance of consistent daily Bible reading and reminds us that Scripture is God's love letter to us. It's full of His promises and is a guidebook for life. If you have a daily devotional life where you spend time just reading Scripture, you'll find that the Scripture will inspire you even on what to pray and how to pray. Putting God's Word first can change everything about you and provide the understanding needed for your future in Him. To receive this series, Prioritizing God's Word, as a digital download for $13 or on CD for $25, visit us online at powerofTheWord.com or call us at 1-800-956-4433. Make God's Word a priority in your life. You will never be the same. Praise God. You know, when you come to certain times, of course, Christmas being, you know, having that moving day of the week the way it does, it always causes, at least in church activity and church life, there are always are a few changes that it brings every year. You don't just get in a routine and repeat it because it's always that moving thing. And so even the way that you treat the Sundays associated with it, uh, that has some differences as well. Because you, uh, you come to these sort of in-betweens. You know, last week we had our Christmas program. Next Sunday we'll have our Christmas Day. And so today's one of those in-between Sundays. So it's like, what do you preach? Well, you don't want to begin a new series. You know, that goes on after the first of the year. So you think, what's the appropriate word for the moment? And so I really believe that I have the appropriate word for the moment, <laughs> um, you know, based on what I feel like the Spirit of the Lord laid on my heart. I think He sort of defined my actions for the day. That's why we pray, isn't it? We ask. And, um, you know, the society that we're in today, this is a different Christmas we faced a whole different set of cultural things that we've never really faced as a society for sure. But even globally, there are things going on globally that twist us in a different direction than we've ever been. There's an assault on this world. There's an assault on this planet. It's an assault of the kingdom of darkness. And whether you want it to be this way or whether you don't, doesn't make any difference. You are in a war. 
Now we know that we're in a spiritual war because of what the scripture teaches that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we know we're in that constant war in the spirit realm. It never really ceases. Some have said, well, I don't consider myself to be at war. Well, you are, whether you consider it or not. But there's times that that warfare changes and there's times that it takes on a different face. It takes on a different uh, direction, connotation, a different effect on the society that we live in and probably in the history of the church. And I'm talking about the 2000 plus year history of the church. In recorded history that I know anything about, there's never been an assault on the church like there is in the moment. Ever. And so many things are uncertain and so many people are uncertain. And there's a contention that, I'm talking about a contention even among believers. Will you, won't you, do you, don't you? It affects politics, it affects culture, it affects the economy, it affects your daily routines. You even go to a restaurant today, and many restaurants are having to close. And this is long after, you know, this whole lockdown and everything has been over but restaurants are still closing because they don't have adequate workers. So there's a cultural shift that's taken place. And I think it's pretty important for you to determine what you're going to do with that. Because whether you want to deal with it or whether you don't, it's going to deal with you. And so it's real. I think the moorings that we find our stability in are more important than they've ever been. I think that's one of the reasons that the church comes under such an attack the way it has, because these anchors that were anchors for your soul, they want to take those away. They want you to, they want you to question moral things that should have never been questioned to begin with. There's things that are so obvious that you can't even, you can't even believe it even happens in the way it happens. Certain political leaders and influencers are so completely brain dead. It's unbelievable. And I don't say that just to be unkind and, and to draw attention to politics, but dear brother and sister, the things that we're dealing with, the cultural things that are assaulting our societies, the effect it's having on our school children, the effect it's having on, on all the institutions that you count sacred and dear. There are people at work trying to undermine every piece of it. And they're trying to demoralize you as a society. I was listening to some things the other day where many people now, they take a poll and they, many people have, have concluded that the American dream is dead. And, uh, you know, I guess probably you'd have to define whether it's, that's an individual thing. It wouldn't be a societal thing, but they want it to be dead. They want to put you in a tiny house. They want you to think small. They want you to give away everything that's drawn something out of you that make you step higher and go farther. They want you to, they want to undercut your church life. And there are many Christians that do the same thing. I know as a leader, I've probably never come under such personal attacks as I've come under in the last year. And all of them unfounded. Because I know me. And I know the truth. 
but just things you can't even believe, and you can't even believe the people it comes from. It's like, what happened to you? So you got infected by another kind of virus. Mm -hmm. See, and it affects everything. And everything's under question. And everything is under siege. And I'll tell you this, I'd hold dear to my breast things that I knew were sacred and dear. And I wouldn't let anybody take from me the foundations and the moorings of my faith and my anchors. And if you do, you're most unwise. Believe me. But it's not just us. It's all over. But to think it's just somewhere else is why I draw some personal attention to it is foolish. It's not just somewhere else. It's right in front of you. It's affecting your children. It's affecting your families. I hear people again and again and again. They raise their child in a Christian home. They bring a child up to be 18, 20 years old, send them away to one year of college, and they come home a glorified communist liberal. And they've been raised in Christian school. They've been raised under the Word of God. And it only takes one year in that institutionalized unbelief to take away from the 20 years of holding fast to the Word of God. This is strong stuff, and it's real. So I'm not glorifying it, I'm just telling you. And so when you come down to this time of the year, there's probably certain things that ought to be said. Well, what is it? What is the anchor, Pastor? Well, it's our hope in the Lord. That's what it is. And so I say these things to let you know that the way you combat this stuff, all of it, regardless of where it comes from, is to keep hope alive. Now, there's a lot of things. Last week we talked about faith, hope, and love, and those things. And today we're going to take a little trip through the Word of God talking about this thing called hope. And when hope's gone, there's really no place to turn. I was talking about talking to a friend of mine just this past week and a friend of theirs took their life. Sad. Said, well, we never saw that coming. We don't see it coming. Because when people go home and they're alone, you don't know what really goes on. You don't know what really runs through their mind. But I can tell you this, before a person stoops to that, they've lost hope. You can rest assured of that. So the combat that we have to do related to some extreme measure like that is to keep hope alive. You have to keep hope alive. Viktor Frankl, and he was, uh, he was trained as a psychiatrist and he went through the death camps in Nazi Germany in, in World War II. He was a prisoner. But being trained in psychiatry, he got to see things in a way that others wouldn't necessarily observe. 
he was able to make analysis. He was put, he was put in a crucible of, of, of real intense emotion and drama. And it was real. It wasn't pretend. It wasn't a laboratory. This was real life. And one thing that he found in his observation, and he wrote some wonderful books on the subject, and I've read after him, and it's worthy reading. But one of the things that he said, you could take a person who was less healthy than maybe those that were in the same conditions, or some more, or some less, or some weaker, some stronger, variety of conditions that would contribute maybe to death or long life, or at least being able to overcome what you're faced with. But he said the one common denominator that he found among all these people is the people who had hope lived and the people who lost hope died. Now I'm not talking about death imposed on them, but I'm talking about their own causes. So when people lose hope, they don't continue on. It's a known fact that um, people go into these retirement years, and unless people learn how to write a new chapter in their life, a lot of people don't live very long after they retire. Now, that's not a prophecy. That's just a, a statistical fact. And uh, I heard of one national corporation where, uh, you know, people, they reach a retirement age and retire, and um, the average number of paychecks after retirement, doesn't matter when they retire, doesn't matter what age, just this is the average, 37 checks. Now, why is that? People lose purpose. It's not just because they're old, because it makes no difference of the age. Some people retire at 50, some retire at 75. But that was the average. And so when people lose hope or purpose in life and don't have a reason to continue, it begins to take a physical toll. You see, that's what they're trying to do psychologically, destroy your hope. Now, if you think there are not forces out here that really know and understand exactly what they're doing, they want to lock you down, lock you away, not allow you to interact, relate. Church is a place that should be shut down while we keep Walmart open. And the liquor stores. Mm. Amen. <laughs> yeah. So there's a reason, and it's a psychology, and it, it, it really, it's, it's mind science, mind science people who have been trained in the art of manipulation that are doing this to a society intentionally on purpose. Intentionally on purpose. Amen. Hmm. And they do it with uh, absolutely zero care about you. Your economy is manipulated to destroy your hope. Don't think it's accidental. It's not, it's not an accident. It's on purpose. It's intentional. 
your political elections are stolen for the purpose of destroying your belief that it matters anymore to vote. It's on purpose. It is the destruction of society as we know it. And it's not just in the U.S., it's all over this planet. And the ones that they fear the most are the ones who have a blessed hope. Because they can't steal that one. And they can kill you, but they can't change you. Because we leave here hopeful. We don't ever quit. And they don't know what to do with that. So that's why they hate Christianity. Because what it does to their cause. And that's why they want to divide you. And that's why there's such an assault on the church and even inside the church. Amen. Amen. It's a real deal. He sent his word and healed them. As the word goes out, it heals the hurting, mends the wounded, uplifts the weak, and nurtures the hungry. Through power of the word, we are taking that healing message of hope to all the world to change lives every day and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Partner with us and help change lives. Paul said that when you partner with a ministry, the grace that's on that ministry begins to be the grace that comes on you. As you're faithful, we know you will see God change your life as well. We have several ways you can give. Go to poweroftheword.com. Call us at 1-800-956-4433 or text the word GIVE to 1-865-978-6380. So hope is really what you want to happen. I have a hope. That's what I want to happen. I got something I want it to be a certain way. Do you get all your hopes? Not necessarily. Some of the hopes I used to have, I don't even have anymore. Because I wouldn't have liked it if I'd have got it. You know, the Bible says to flee youthful lusts. There's things you want when you're young that when you get a little older, they don't mean very much. You know, things change for us. And so uh, hope, again, is a desire or an expectation your expectations are important to you. You hold out for something. You wait. You anticipate. You hope. Amen? Hope lifts the heart, and it makes merry the soul. Hope is one of the greatest motivators of life in general. Hope is that thing you can't define it, you can't see it. It's invisible, but it's real. And a person who has it marches forward. A person who doesn't have it becomes reclusive, turns inward, and can't even give up on life. Hopelessness is absolutely unacceptable. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. So hope is the alternative to despair. Hope is the alternative to depression. Hope is the alternative to a loss of motivation. I just can't seem to get my 
self out of bed. Hope will uh, raise the shades and let the sunshine in. Amen. A lack of it withdraws, becomes, becomes reclusive. Hope is the antidote to giving up. You know, it's impossible to motivate the unmotivated. If you don't want anything, you can't be motivated. Now, you may want the wrong things and be motivated in the wrong direction, but if you don't want anything, you're totally incapable or unable to be motivated. Your hope drives your desire, and your di desire is what moves you into action. That's what does it. You've got to want something. Well, we're not just supposed to want anything as a Christian. Well, get real. You do want things, and you know you do. Amen? And so, you, and of course, I'm not just talking about material stuff. I mean, there's things that you want. There's dreams that you have. You want to see your, you want to see your family come to the Lord? Yes. Well, see, that becomes a motivator. It motivates your prayer life. It motivates what you do. Amen. Do I want to see my business succeed? If you don't, you won't work it. When you lose the hope, you lose the desire, you lose the motivation. And when you lose the motivation, you've lost your will to live. You just become a survivalist with no purpose. That's what they want to take from you. You hear me? So you got to have hope. Everybody say, keep hope alive. So hopelessness is unacceptable to a believer. We find over here in Romans chapter 4, verse number 18, this is one of these passages of Scripture that you read over and you think about. And it's, it's important to stop, sometimes stop and take a pause. You know how the Scripture is? Say law. Stop and pause. Think about what you read. <laughs> Amen. But we find this father of our faith, this man Abraham, who was the one that God made a covenant with and the one that Jesus himself fulfilled the covenant of Abraham in the earth. So Jesus didn't come to do away with the Abrahamic covenant. He came to fulfill it. And so this thing we call the new covenant was the fulfillment of the father of our faith, Abraham. So could, can you look to him? Well, that's just Old Testament. No, it's not either. It's the reason the New Testament exists. Amen? And so when you see these things, it's critical. And here we find this father of our faith, Abraham, who the Bible says we are to follow the faith of Abraham. Bible tells us that. We find in Romans 4.18, now he had, he had been promised that you'll have a son. And he was old, well stricken in years, as was his wife. But he still had that promise from God that he would be the father of many nations. And you see this in Romans 4.18, and I'm going to read it out of the King James. 
It says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall my seed be. So God gave him a promise that he would be the father of many nations and years passed and it hadn't happened. And the Bible says that he kept hope alive. See, if you don't keep hope alive, listen, your faith won't work. Your faith has nothing to believe in. You have, your faith has nothing to direct itself toward. It has no purpose. It's pointless faith. It's vain faith. It's faith in nothing. So you've got to have hope before you can have faith. You've got to be going somewhere. Do you get out in the car, start it up, and just pull out of the parking lot and just drive? No, you've got to have a, a plan. You say, well, I don't know where I'm going. Well, you'll eventually get home. So you might wander around a little bit, but you do have some purpose. Amen? Traffic may alter your, your, your trek a little bit. You may take the long way around because of, you know, something's happened. But at least you know a little bit where you're going. Amen? You don't just aimlessly drive around. You don't just aimlessly walk to the mailbox. No, you go to the mailbox. You got to be going somewhere. So your hope is I'll get to the mailbox. Simple, but effective. Amen. One of the greatest words in the English language is the word hope. People die out of desperation because they lose hope. The Bible says that our hope is in the Lord. If you put your hope in circumstances, if you put your hope in politics, the economy, the things around us today, you can lose hope real quickly and clearly. But if we hope in the Lord, it, it transcends all of the problems of this world. Jesus is our blessed hope. And even if, God forbid, you lose your life on this planet, you have an eternal hope. Now that transcends everything. When you know where you're going, when it's over, it causes life to begin to make a whole lot more sense. And so no matter how bad it gets, it never gets bad enough for you to lose that blessed hope. Now I'm not saying anything like that's gonna happen to you, certainly don't believe that. But the point is, we have a hope that's above all earthly hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. If you've never made him the Lord of your life, you need to do that now. You need to be forgiven of your sins. You need to have that blessed hope living in your heart. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I take you right now as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you, to serve you today and forever. Sin, Satan, I do not serve you. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. You are my blessed hope. Enjoyed being with you here this session on Power of the Word. We uh, really appreciate you being a part. We do this for you. We come to you because we love you. Let us hear from you. Let us know that you're there. Let us know, especially if you prayed that prayer. We love you. Look forward to our next time together. Until then, Jesus is our blessed hope. God bless you. We hope you've been blessed by today's teaching. 
If you would like to receive this message by Dr. Ed King as an MP3 or CD for a gift of any amount, please visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. Let the truths found in this message take hold in your life. Request your copy today.